Good afternoon. Welcome to Liberty Tactics. It's Kat again because Lou, bless her, her voice has completely gone, honestly. It, it really has gone. So I'm going to do it again today. Um, it is Friday, the 27th of January, 2023. Just gone three o'clock. And I have got one of my amazing friends. absolutely adore, adore her. And she is a part of Public Child Protection Wales, but up in North Wales. And I thought a lovely Joan Ginsburg with me today. So hi, Joan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And how about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually on day five of my fast now and I feel fine. The last couple of days, mine, I could have just face planted anybody's food, to be honest. But today I've passed that now and I've been out. I've been to Ross on Y. We've been out for the morning. I got loads of energy. It's really weird. It's really weird. I feel great today. I'm on top form. Um, I, well, I'm in, I'm, I'm in awe because uh, I, I doubt there's very many people that could achieve that. Oh, it's hard work. I mean, I, I some people I know can do it for a lot longer, mind, you know. And I, I think, but I get that now because it's the first few days. So the only reason, like, I did it in the first place was because I need to give up sugar, right? And I know for a fact, that if I try to give up sugar, I wouldn't be able to just get up tomorrow morning and, and give up sugar. So I knew if I did the fast first and stopped my craving for it, which I know takes three days, then I will be able to do it easier. That's why I did it for. So um, I'm really pleased with myself. But honestly, it's really hard. Like the second, third and fourth days, there were times where my head was just, I was so like, shaky and my I just felt sick and whatever but I pushed through it I just drank a load of water pushed through it and now today I've woke up well I woke up naturally at like seven o'clock I was like what's the matter with me, what's the matter with me? <laughs> I don't normally get up that early at all but wow. it was natural I didn't get up because I felt sick or or anything it was just because I naturally thought I need to get up now it was really strange I bet people were really Shocked when I posted at eight o'clock this morning on Facebook. They probably thought I'd shut the bed or something. Because <laughs> that's not like you, is it? It's not. But now I've been banned from Facebook, guys, as well. I've got a weak ban. I don't even know what. It's for something I've written about the germ theory. It is I'm going to have to try and reword how I do things because with the every time I mention the germ theory, it takes it down for medical misinformation. I know they'll let me put vaccine things and all on there now. Anyone who's sort of still playing down that germ theory um, road, they allow. But as soon as you mention that, it's, that's where my posts are going. I'm going to have to start writing in code, I think. But anyway. That's, that's, that's really interesting because I was trying to explain to someone yesterday, uh, you know, the way you keep chipping away at people and you think, why do I bother when you actually leave them? Hmm. um it's he's one of those people of an old friend and I was trying to explain to him that people were sort of getting banned on Facebook and this kind of thing not that he does it he's old school but um it I couldn't I couldn't get across to him the enormity of it and how many people it's happening to hmm. uh, and what outrageous censorship is actually going on so that's what it was for this time, the germ theory. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's the last couple of times that is, though, Joan. The last couple of times. They've left me alone for a while. But and then, you know, people are starting to ask me questions now because they've come around, which is great. You know, I'm not that brilliant. 
Um, so then I try to do like a refresher thing on the germ theory and it, it really kicks me off every time. That's why I know I'm on the right track. I know anyway, I don't need them to kick me off for me to know that. But it just tells other people that that is what they should be looking at, actually. Whatever they're kicking people off for, they need to go and have a look at that because they, that's the most important. Well, it's either this, it's the two things I can speak about, is the germ theory and certain things I say about, like, if I mention transgender, I get a, I get a ban as well, and I have for years, so... Funnily really? enough, my first, yeah, went so I've been shouting about it about vaccines mostly in the medical industry for the first few years, and I could say anything, Joan, and I did, and I got away with it. I never had a warning, never had a ban. 2018 was when I started getting bans, and the first ban I ever had was for a, a, a what I had showed. It was actually on, um, it was a video, and it was disgusting, Joan. You may well have seen it, right? I'll describe what it was. So basically, it was a transgender in a nightclub in America, right? And they'd obviously got like a fake pregnancy going on, right? So they'd obviously gone really far to fake this pregnancy with whatever they had underneath it. This man, I'm going to call him, was on the on the bar, and he was stabbing his stomach with a with a big blade and pulling this fake baby out with all this blood and stuff. Ugh. And I was like that is demonic and disgusting and I shared it and I got kicked off for it for a month that was the first ban I sorry not a month 24 hours the first ban I ever had was on the transgender issue which I not that it's, it's, it's different being a transgender and a drag queen but just moving on to this now what I wanted to ask you because Joan you actually went up um the, you know we know about the drag time story hour that's been happening all over the country since last year is it I think it's since last year I think uh, so yeah I think it wasn't before then because I think we would have known about it but last year they introduced the drag time story hour whereby they get drag queens uh paid by the taxpayer of course to go along to uh libraries and read little children books so we know that some of these characters they, they have got quite uh seedy social medias and the things that they say like Ada HD obviously we pulled up um the one that was down in South Wales was called Ada HD and we'd obviously pulled up a lot from um her social media and whatever else you know and these people shouldn't be anywhere near children they're adult entertainers we all know that anyway but Joan you went at the, the one up in North Wales she was called Mama G wasn't she and you you went along actually just to see what they were actually doing can you Give us a little lowdown on that, please, Joan, what happened and what, what went on there. Yeah, well, I think initially she started off in Puffelli Library. So she had um, two venues in one day in this area. And she got, um, uh, I think she got police um, chauffeur from there up to Bangor, which is about 20-odd miles away. Might be about uh, 30. Uh, which is... Half of the course, isn't it, Kath? Yeah. Um, they, they, they all get... have chauffeurs, I think, don't they? Don't I know Ada uh, did as well? Yeah, the, the, the police uh, are cheek by jowl with the drag queens, actually, mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit frustrating, isn't it, to put it mildly? Yeah. And again, more taxpayers' money. So, yeah, she, she was in the library in Bangor, and I suppose there was a group of about eight of us outside. 
uh, various ones. Some of them had come from Stan in the Park and etc. Of all walks of life, uh, different nationalities as well. And we went inside, and I suppose we looked a little bit int intimidating because of the nature of the library itself, because the children's library is sort of, um, it's a, a little bit lower. There are steps down to it mm -hmm. um, than the rest of the library. So we were sort of higher up and we, we came in more or less together. So it must have looked a little bit obvious to some of the parents. I mean, others were oblivious, but some of them made it quite um, obvious afterwards that uh, they'd had their eye on us, etc. Well, I'll tell you about that after. So Mama G came on and she was very modestly dressed the way that she would have been on Britain's Got Talent hmm. because she's famous from that, apparently. I had no idea. Oh, is she? I didn't know that. Either. Yes. So she had been, well, famous, as famous as you, as you get off programmes like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it it is very good for your, it is a good career move. There was her and a crowd of others on Britain's Got Talent, um, similar kind of, similarly dressed, um, all dancing, all singing sort of pantomime games, you know, mm -hmm. and the panel loved them. They were ecstatic, etc. So, yeah, she was there and she was very modestly dressed. I, I, why, why am I saying she? she. Because it really annoys me when I do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I got out of the habit. He was modestly dressed and he was fairly engaging with the children. He, he got them into activities, dancing and um, pretend activities. I can't remember what they were doing, whether they were chasing something or other or pretending to be scared etc um he was he was pretty good at engaging the children and so I, I can't fault him on that um on that side he was okay and he could sing reasonably well you know so he, he sort of fulfilled the role of a child a children's entertainer Mm. Um, and he didn't really get saucy at all. But you see, he, he does have a past. I mean, he's he's twerked in the past. Oh, uh, I've seen the video of that. I know which one yes. you mean. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so he isn't without blemish. So the, on, But on the actual day, he did nothing like that. He made one or two little saucy comments he had a story about a dinosaur, for example, uh, called Little Raw. And I think um, a lot of these stories go along the same lines, don't they? That you've, you've got some kind of a victim mm. that's um, not progressing very well, not very popular. You know, so many children could relate to that, couldn't they? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, hey presto, their life has changed. Uh, because of a decision that they made or whatever. Um, so Little Raw wasn't doing miraculously well because he had didn't have much of a raw. And presumably in the world of dinosaurs, it pays to have a good raw. And he didn't have one. 
So um, he ended up making hats for a living and became a famous hatter. And everyone was queuing up to get these extravagant hats from him, including male dinosaurs. Uh, but he, he was using the pronoun they, mm. um, which I, I, I think is well, absolutely it's part ridiculous of it, Joel, to use it? it for children, you know? Yeah. It's still confusing, you know, it's even in this subtly. You very, know very I mean? confusing. And he made some kind of um, aside, which was for the parents, uh, when he mentioned that... Um, the dinosaurs were flirting with one another at some point. Um, flirting isn't a word that's in a child's vocabulary. No. It no, really no. isn't. And it was a sort of an aside to the parents as if to say, you know, this is getting a little bit saucy, but it's over the kids' heads and it's all good, clean fun. You know, that, that sort of yeah. nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of thing. <laughs> so I have to say, um, apart from his choice of story, which was obviously gender centric and, um, you know, replace a dinosaur with uh, a child that's confused with their life and not getting on very well uh, with a, a dinosaur. I'm sorry, with, with a child. You know, it was it was that kind of parallel. Do you think as well, right, because. They know, you know, that people are really looking out about what, you know, they're paying a lot of attention to what is going on now, whereas before they weren't. Do you think that maybe, you know, they, she in this particular case might have held back a little bit because, like you say, they knew that you would come in together. Do you know what I mean? Trying to play it safe a little bit. Do you think that that could have been the case, or is well, because, like fact, you say, we know he's got a past, see, and he has, you know, he's twerked in front of kids and whatever. So something stopped him from doing that. You know, I wonder if he's aware that you know, sort of things are going on, or whether that is just the way that he. I th I think it. he's deliberately chosen the pantomime dame yeah. as a, a sort of a, a front. You know, yeah, because when um, you look in, at a pantomime dame. It is in like, order to carry on with what he's doing, in order to carry on with the propaganda, etc., and get paid, because yeah. obviously they wouldn't be doing this for nothing, would they? They don't mm -hmm. like kids that much. No. Or do they? Or do um, they? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I think it was it was just a way of being able to carry on with his job and pay his bills, really, in... Uh, a way that wasn't going to affront people, that wasn't going to attract um, negative attention. And I think yeah. that's why he chose the pantomime dame. And in some interview or other, he said that he'd deliberately chosen a character like that because it was confusing, because it was um, a man dressed up as a woman, which is a little bit confusing for children. And... But he was saying it in a way, well, it's a little bit zany, you know? And yeah. also, pantomime dames are loved and revered. They're iconic. And so he sort of knew he was onto a winner with that one. Yeah, I was just about to say, it's quite clever, really, when you think about it, isn't it? Because, you know, we're pointing out, you know, for the like, I don't know, for an example, Ada HD and whenever 
he was dressed in his really tight, tight uh, sort of, you know, lycra outfits and stuff. And, you know, and he's got a full-on erection on those sometimes. And well, it certainly looks in, like it. Yeah, it does look like it. And he's also not wearing pants. You can tell there's no pant line. You know, you'd be able to, where he's got the lycra on, you'd be able to see where the, you know, if he's got boxes or pants on or whatever, you'd be able to see that line. And it's never there, which means he's dressed. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, so this one, Mama G could have been, they, like you say, yeah, is it so that they can carry on? Because people are not going to be looking, you know, from a pantomime, a pantomime dame is chill, is children. You know, I've been to pantomimes. I took Grace to Robin Hood um, just before Christmas, you know, and, and they had a panto on there. Uh, sorry, a dip, panto dip dame on there. And they were just like, it was just like a pant. Oh, I remember him as a kid. There was nothing, do you know what I mean? Dressed up like a clown, basically, more than anything. So, yeah, it seems that that, that could have been a, you know, a, yeah, it was probably a really good move, actually, as far as he was concerned. A brilliant career move, Kath. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, and that's it. They get him paid, I think, is it? I'm not sure, but, like, is it, like, £500 a, a time? or Seriously? Yeah, I think it's £500 per, and that's not just, I think, hang on, I might be wrong. I This is where I've seen it somewhere. Um, but then you've also got, on top of that, you've got the police who were escorting them as well. Do you know what I mean? From place to place or whatever. They wouldn't come cheap? No, absolutely not. No, you know, so so we know that, yeah. and it's part of the um, budget, I suppose, for how they're going to do this education. They would have paid them whatever I think is 500 pound I'll double check that I think it's 500 pound so, I, I didn't know it was that much but it doesn't surprise me yeah I think I think I'm not like sure Phil told me but I can't be certain on it so I will double check um the other thing I wanted to talk to you about Joan I know there's a book and I you know I love my book I absolutely love them you know I like what I read them so often and you've actually got a, a really really interesting one there I know you haven't finished it but you have had a little you've had a flick through um what is the book called Joan and can we have a little chat about it because I really want to know what's in it yes of, of course it's the global sexual revolution uh and the subtitle is destruction of freedom in the name of freedom wow, which more or less sums it up and it's by a German woman called Gabriella Kuby, K-U-B-Y. Right. Gabriella, I suppose we would say, with one L. Uh, I, I'm not sure what her credentials are. I, I did look her up briefly, um, but I can't remember. I get the impression that she's quite a religious person mm -hmm. um, and that she is horrified by what's going on. Where but, was it written, um, Jones? Well, it was written in the in the 2000s. I think it first came out, uh, I'm just looking at it now, uh, 2000 and, it was written in German. Oh, hang on, I've got a year, I've got a year, Joan. So, 2012. She's a German author and international speaker on the global sexual revolution and Christian spirituality. She studied sociology in the late 1960s. So she'll she'll really understand. She'll know. So how far have you got into it, and what sort of things are the is she saying? I suppose I've got about four. I'm on page seventy-seven out of 
278 actually, so I'm not that far, but I found it quite exciting um, because it's it's really well presented and she gives you a timeline to sort of join all the dots, mm. which I haven't come across before for education, um, not in a written way anyway, uh, because people attack attack it in different um from different perspectives don't they yeah but uh, so far i haven't come anyone uh, come across anyone that's actually done such an exhaustive um an exhaustive example of the way that it's it's been built up over the over the past century or so you know so she starts off with um some of the big names in sexual education. Well, she starts off with Malthus um, and his iron law of population, Thomas Robert Malthus. Of course, you're going back to the 18th and 19th century there and his um, prognostications on world population and food and his maths. Um, because he was very fond of the idea of depopulation and of only having worthy people um, actually treading the planet rather than hangers-on and useless eaters, you know. So she started with him because um, she does she she does make a big thing of the eugenicist um, idea that's that is behind all this, you know. Yeah, she'd be um, right too as well, wouldn't she, Joan? Because every time I've looked back, it always ends up with eugenics there somewhere, especially when you're talking about depopulation. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Mal- Malthus's maths is about as good. He, mu- he must have been using uh, he must have been using the same um, computer as Neil Ferguson, I think, because uh, it doesn't seem to have been very accurate. And then she goes on to Margaret Sanger, mm. who we've all heard of, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and there's some beautiful quotes along the way, um, just dragging in different people and showing that the idea of eugenics was a very, very popular one. It was. Um, so you've got one from Theodore Roosevelt. And it's a big long one, but the end of it, at the end of it, it says, "I wish very much that the wrong people could be prevented entirely from breeding." And the last sentence in the quote, "The emphasis should be laid on getting desirable people to breed." Wow. <laughs> and I, I actually looked into the eugenics cult. Um. When I say I looked into it, I read a book about it it's called The War Against the Weak. I don't know if you've ever read that, Kath. No, I haven't even heard it's, of that. Sounds interesting, though, Joe. Uh, unfortunately, I downloaded it on my Kindle, which I hate. Uh, but I must get a hard copy of it sometime because... What was it, it called again, Joe? The War Against the Weak. The War Against the Weak. Okay. Or war, I can't remember if it's the war or just war against the weak. I think I've got that right. Edwin Ed, Black. Edwin Black. That's yeah, the one. I got it here. And it's that. it's spine chilling. Absolutely spine chilling. Yeah. 
I think his mother was, um, did she die in the, no, she didn't die. She might have died. There was a really dramatic story um, that he told one time. I think it's on YouTube where he was flung out of a train window or something um, while she was on the way to the camps. Or it was something, something really, really dramatic. But whatever the case, he wrote a well-researched book on the eugenics movement um, as it developed by the time it arrived in the USA from Britain, of course. I mean, we've got people like H.G. Wells over here and very yeah. famous people that, that were all in on it, you know, social commentators and big players and politicians, etc. Absolutely. So, and I think initially over here, the idea was that um, we'll just get the good ones to breed, you know, the middle class, etc. cetera. Um, but by the time it went to America, it, was, um, it went much further than that, uh, to the extent where legislation was brought into different states um, and... I think I'm right in saying that after about, of course, after the Second World War, it lost popularity yeah. because of all the goings on in um, during the Holocaust and and during um, you know over Europe during the Second World War. So it lost popularity. It became uh, a dirty name. Uh, but of course, so did PIE, didn't it? You know, paedophile yeah. information exchange. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was like a brave new world as well, Joe. Like when I came up last year, I was in the middle of reading it one night and I just started it. Obviously, I finished it quite soon after. And then I watched, I was just going on about, I kept going on about it because this, I can pull so many parallels with today's world and that, and that book, which was obviously written in 1932. So Darren, he doesn't he doesn't do reading books. He prefer to watch something. He'll read, you know, like cases and case law and stuff like that. But when it comes to books, he only reads his law book. He not because he, he forgets names and stuff like that. So he'd rather watch something. So he found it the other day, and it was like it was really old though. It was like recorded off the BBC, which was quite shocking. Nineteen eighty one, right? So you can imagine the quality of the video, but it's just over three hours long. I watched it anyway, I stayed up till really late watching it. And it's exactly like the book. It really freaked me out. And that it, it's that again, that's eugenics as well. Do you know what I mean? They were artificially inseminated. There were no families. And this was meant to be 600 years in the future in 1932. But actually, we're 90 years from that, the time that book was written. And other, you know, we're pretty close. We are pretty close to how they... I wouldn't say prophesized, I would say they knew, you know, because um, when I was at, when I was at yours, I think it was when I was at yours and I looked at, because I knew, I thought, well, Huxley, what did he know? You know, what he must have known something. He must have been part of it. So when I Googled, you know, him and his family, it was his brother, isn't it? His brother, Julian, was the first president of UNESCO. That's right. So that, again, is linked, you know what I mean, to this this brave new world where it just caught me, like, there's no love. The babies are artificially inseminated. They have conditioning um, all their lives. And, you know, they have this, they take pills called Soma, and it keeps them not, uh, you know, kicking off and stuff like that. It keeps them apathetic. 
And that is exactly what medication can do, you know? So you've got like, it's really, it really did freak me out. But in terms of like the eugenicists and stuff like that, again, that was part of it too, you know? They were well into it. And their father, I can't remember the father's name, um, but he was a eugenicist as well. So, you know, I wonder if it is he mentioned at all in there, Joan, or? Um, not so far. Not so far. Not, not so far, he isn't. But uh, just as a by the by, just to show um, how awful this eugenics movement was in America and how shocking. Um, apparently, by the time they'd sort of wound up operations after changing laws in so many states as well, this reminds me of Kinsey, um, that about 60,000 plus people had been, and that might be a, a modest estimate, had been sterilized and many of them didn't have a clue what was going on. Some of them might have been quite feeble-minded. Some of them might only have, um, you know, a squint or a club foot. Oh, wow, it's disgusting, Joan, and it is quite- But virtually all of them, you, you can bet your bottom dollar they were all poor. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That is a that is a given. That is a given. We didn't. I just gone and bought that book, War Against the Week, Joe, and I just got it off eBay. It was nine quid. It's it's it's, it's it's quite a horrible read. It's fascinating, though. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that we need to know about because um, well, they're doing it now. It's you know, it's but it's they don't say they do. It. They don't talk about it like that in that way. We know that they're sterilizing people. Well, they've been sterilizing people with vaccinations for years. You know, it's it's not this new COVID vaccine is not the only one to cause you know infertility and, and cause sterilization. I know they all do. That was the reason for it. And the thing is, I, I mean, it's so twisted. They, a lot of people just do not have a clue. And you know, we got these young kids who are trying to have. You just have a look. You can have a look at the statistics and see how many. You know, people are not able to, and are going for IVF and things like that. And it's just—I know, like, it's, I know, because it never it's... was the case. It wasn't the case before. Even you know, like even as back for you know, it is. I think all of this. It's not all from Kinsey, but from post World War Two, I think was the real the real kicker. So, like you say, as much as they eased off on it, did they really? Did or did they just stop talking about it publicly? I think that's what happened, actually. And that's yeah. the warning at the end of the book, that, you know, this kind of mentality, um, that kind of mentality, which was so strong and so deeply rooted and had um, powerful people involved, it's, it's not going to go away. No, it's not. And if, if you think it is, you're naive, you know. I so, know. Uh, yeah, there was... Um, that was a by the by, wasn't it? Really? Oh, but oh yeah, but um, Adolf Hitler actually read one of the publications of the Eugenics. I think it was called the Eugenics Society. It was in Cold Harbor Springs, in um, in the west of America. Was it California? I don't know. Probably. But, but yeah, that it's um, it seems to be the cradle of all evil, doesn't it? Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Without so, yeah, he was he was actually inspired by them, which is rich. Mm. He wrote yeah. to them and, and congratulated them, as far as I remember. Is that so this idea of having the right people, 
the right level of intelligence, etc. Um, a ruling class, in other words. Yeah. A worthy ru ruling class, people that actually deserve to be fed rather than waiting for crumbs from the table. It's been there for a long time. It has been there for a long time. It just gets more evident by the day. In terms of the, you know, the depopulation, and I keep saying to people, you know, a lot of people thinking about Stalin and thinking about Hitler and thinking, you know, it's going to be guns and bombs. And I'm like, they don't do it like that anymore. They don't need to. They just no. go through the back door. So what they've done is they've put, obviously, the hormones in food is an issue as well, right? But when we've got young children turning trans and whatever, that is another kicking the teeth because they're not going to have children do you know what I mean this is the thing and you know we're going to get to a point where we're like China and we're like one child per family or something because they're, they're pretending with the climate change that we're you know this is all going on and stuff it's just horrendous how they'll do it it is horrendous and people they don't understand well they just think it's a load of nonsense and that's because they've you know anyone who's sort of being looked at history or being taught history they're not going to know because they taught the wrong history it's only we know it's only when you've gone away and actually looked at real history that we're going to see these really frightening impending doom dooming things which are actually coming to fruition now you know it's, it's, it's really dangerous it's a really dangerous time but also a really I don't know, empowering time isn't it because people are waking up I know it should be quicker and sometimes I sit here and think oh my God, what's the point, you know? But then we do have to keep going. We know what the score is with the children. That's re Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you, Joan, as well. I know it was a little while ago and I know I have spoken to you about it, but just for our listeners, because the thing is, I've got to talk about as well, what, you know, how they're conditioning children in, in school, but certainly really badly in university and I watched a video the other day right and there was a guy who was into he had gone to Sussex University um all right it is one of the most woke but it still he'd gone there to just chat to some uh students and he did and he, it's about a half an hour long and like he was just asking them basic questions you know these are university students now and they really do not have a clue about basic factual biology you know this is where he's asking them is there more than two genders yes can you name them yeah and it's like this is crazy it's not produ so even in uni they sit down and they have to go around first and get or it's in this university they have to sit around and, and they go before they start the lesson they go around and tell each other that they tell what their pronouns and all that this is university now most people believe that they go to university because they're going to come out you know with a degree and they're going to be able to find a job in whatever they graduated in whatever that's not the case anymore right they, they basically fill in the universe so where is years ago to be hard to get in there that's because the level of you know the universities were actually reserved for the most intelligent the most you know the most academic they were so only about a fifth of school leavers ever went there in the like 60s and 70s and 80s right now you've got yeah well I had a grant I had a grant to go to university I did we didn't have to pay oh didn't you, you know when, when I went to sorry when was that so I'm wondering when they brought in the well I uh, first went to university in 1969 right and if you performed well enough with your A levels then um you could get a university place 
yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And that was fair enough, you know. And then everybody who sort of like you me did manage to find a job with, you know, wherever they graduated for. That's not the case anymore. They've made, I know people don't like to hear it, but it's the truth. I thought this a while ago. My dad actually taught me because he was a teacher, wasn't he? And he told me, this was when I was about 14. He said, they made, they said the exams are, he said they're much easier than they were. And I remember saying, oh, shut up, dad. Because I thought he was just like trying to make out he was more, clever or whatever you know and he was like no I'm telling you now because my dad was an examiner in his school as well he said they he said well this is what he said he said they piss easy <laughs> sorry that's what his words were right well what was his subject his subject oh he actually because he didn't even want to go to uni right so my dad was a bit of a tear away right um he was very bright though do you know what I mean he was a, but he was a bit of a tear away and he got kicked out of a few unis but he only ever really went there because my granddad, which is my mum's dad, made him, if he wanted to marry my mum, as things were back then, do you know what I mean? So yeah. my dad was very, very sporty, he was very athletic, and, you know, he would have gone on to play <coughs> professionally if he hadn't had a, he had done something to his knee, and he had an operation on his knee, and it screwed him up, so he ended up, but he was, he did, um, I think he did history, maths, and motor vehicles, but he used to teach children with behavioural problems, so it wasn't like a, you know, the level of the, you know, wasn't very um, high anyway. Do you know what I mean? He just let him watch the telly a lot of the time, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he, 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 what, he was a sporty type of guy, but he was very, very bright. My dad was really intelligent, but he was also one of those ones, very silent observer, right? Uh, you would never know that he was even listening at all. But he would, and then he would he would pick up on that. He was really he was really sharp. My dad was, so I remember him saying to me, "They definitely are easier." And now I realise he was telling the truth, because I can see why. Like, because it was only a few years ago. I was thinking, why are all my statuses? And I'm not like I say, I'm not taking anything away from the children and their work ethic, right? But there was a time where you know you'd have like C's and D's and B's and stuff. Everybody, you know, depends or unless you were, you were really particularly very good at a subject and you'd have your A's and, or you'd have your exceptional children who would get A's and A stars, but there wouldn't be many of them. And then all of a sudden I noticed that everybody, everybody's kids was all getting all A's and A stars. And then I come back to me then and I was thinking, well, my dad said must have been quite true. And it is, it is actually true. So what they want, they want them all in universities, not so they can, you know, we know full well that most of them are left in debt. They come out and there is no job for them so they end up working in something they didn't even you know they didn't go to university for we know that anyway but the main thing they want them for is for, for molding into little activists right and that is exactly what's going on right what they're pumping out of the uni is not what people think so what I, the point of me saying that was you were up in Bangor weren't you Joan a couple of months ago and an incident happened when you were doing a, um, a demonstration so I just wanted obviously for Liberty Tactics listeners they're not aware of what happened can you just give us a little rundown of what happened up, um, up in Bangor please Joan? Yes uh, well it wasn't a demonstration as such it was um, we were part of an uh, of a market, oh, and we had a we yeah. had a stall, and so we decked it out with PCP banners and the um, those boards. You know, uh, we deliberately hid the one that mentioned queer theory because it had already in previous weeks. Um, the manager of the of the market had actually had uh, one or two complaints from people 
about the fact that we were there in the first place and we had nothing to do with the market and um, what was it all about? That was probably students complaining, actually. Mm. And uh, I think the Queer Theory Board have been a bit inflammatory because it is a student town, you see. Bangor University is um, obviously one of the biggest ones in Wales mm-hmm. and has got um, quite strong ties to China as well. An awful lot of Chinese students come over here. There seems to be some sort of... Um, I don't know what you call it, um, symbiosis or whatever going on with China. And um, it's, it's pretty international, though, actually. Um, not, not just Chinese students, the, the African, um, Saudi Arabia, everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's multinational. So there is the student population there, you see, which makes it... More, a more inflammatory situation simply because of what you were saying they, that there is this indoctrination that's been going on uh, that we haven't been aware of mm. um, and it's obviously been going on for years because yeah. the students are totally well they're different Joan and they, they're aggressive they, you know, absolutely they, aggressive they used to be like this at all but you're right so that this is what happens unfortunately so they're, they're aggressive they're entitled yeah. um, they don't know the meaning of debate they don't know the meaning of critical thinking and I've got a really good example of that um, a, a bit later after I tell you um, what happened so yeah. we, we got all sorts of because uh, I've got quite a few books on on the topic of RSC or around the topic of RSC you know I've got both of Kinsey's books mm-hmm. I've got um Joan I got some of your books as well you sent I got um T.C. Boyle's book here I read it uh the inner circle I gotta give you that back as well no 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 I've I've already got that I got that for you uh oh, so, thanks, yeah so I got this array of books and some of them were, were to do with transgender and the hazards of transgender has it been a very mild word obviously and you know the ones you know Helen Joyce um yeah. irreversible damage don't yeah, get I've on read the that plane. One. that's a really good book that is I've read that one I mean Helen Joyce is excellent yeah I, I've heard her speak so many times in in recent months and I've got such admiration for her because she can plot facts and figures out of her head she's no nonsense you know she's a mathematician uh and a journalist as well she was a professor of mathematics wasn't she so she is very much you know she only brings in things that are totally relevant and that she can argue a point on and that she can back up with evidence um so there was a variety of books of that ilk plus uh, for example, the one to do with the activities in the classroom, which you have as well. I forget what oh, that's called. Really uh, that was co-written by um, Esther McGinney. Alice Hoyle and Esther McGinney. And there was also one, um, How to Make Your Classroom an LGBT plus friendly. Yes, one, that one. Yeah. So I got all these books there and leaflets. And we were doing our best to try and distribute the leaflets, especially 
you would especially target people who had small children, a pushchair, mm -hmm. you know, don't you? I mean, naturally. Naturally, because, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it it was going reasonably well and, and people were being quite, mostly, the ones that didn't ignore you were, were many of them were very engaging. They tended to be older people and they would give what they could and very encouraging and saying thank you very much for what you're doing. So that was great. And then someone approached us and said, there's a group of, um, he said women, but it wasn't just women, down the road from here. He called them women. And he said, I've just overheard them in the cafe and it sounds like you're in for trouble. So I thought, oh, yeah. And it wasn't that long after that they started. They'd sort of used guerrilla tactics. They were coming by um, and maybe ones, twos, threes over a period of um, several hours. And they were shouting the most ridiculous things like you've got blood on your hands. <laughs> um, and why aren't you home? I think one of them. Because they come at you and they shout, which takes you back, takes you aback, doesn't it? And you can't fully sort of digest everything that they're saying when they're shouting. Uh, but one of them said something totally preposterous, like, you know, you could be housing a, a homeless person in this gazebo or whatever, you know. <laughs> something, you know, nutty, total nut jobs, unfortunately. Um, and so, so they were coming by and, and making horrible accusations, you know, blood on your hands, you, you, you know, there are going to be vulnerable people walking past here and you've got all these books that uh, are going to offend them and annoy them and, and push them over the edge, more or less. And I can tell you, for, uh, tell you for a fact, the amount of times I've done that market... <coughs> which has got to be maybe half a dozen by now. Um, nobody looks at the books. We're not living in an age of books for a lot of people. And I've never had one person pick up a book and actually peruse it. So, uh, I mean, that was... Well, that's how you know that they've just been told to say these things and they've believed them without... Because there's no thought process behind it, Joan. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely not. they it, haven't they? None. And they can only see one side of the argument, which is... Um, that you've got a right to be trans, that this is your personal struggle in life. Um, it's something that's very dear to you. Um, your gender identity is uh, something that comes from within. And it's almost like a religion, actually. And um, it is that's like a cult. Like a cult, even it in is this like book, Joan. You've you've got this one, Alice Hoyland. You just said about it then. Great relationships and sex education. And what I noticed, right, when I was reading through them, and it happens a lot in this book, it's basically getting them to you know because they're doing all these tasks to go out in the community with them. They're basically in you know recruiting these children, whether the children know or not, to do it to to performing like socio political activism for them. Yes, That's what exactly. They're doing. That's exactly, exactly what they're doing. It's frightening, and this is the this is the um, the product. This is this is this is what happened. This is the result of it. 
basically, isn't it? You know, these. I mean, for all the world, it would remind you of the kind of children's armies that they gathered in, um, in, for example, Hitler Youth, mm. uh, and in communist countries as well, where a little where children were encouraged to snitch on the parents. Same um, thing now, isn't it? Really? Yes. Come into that. You know, yes. social services going around people's parents' houses because they haven't, you know, affirmed their child's transgender uh, identity. This is, it's just, it's insane. I can't believe we're living in a world like it, Joan. I really can't. Well, I never envisaged it. If, if you'd have told me three years ago this is where we'd be at, uh, I would have laughed at you, I think. Yeah, well, I maybe. Think it's come up really quick, haven't it? That's what it, it is. Has. Kind of like we don't know about it. We've seen it. We've read it in books and whatever. But I like see even with me, I, I knew, but I didn't think like it's, it's this. You're right. It's this three years has really ramped it up. And I'm what it, it makes me go back to the COVID thing and think, was COVID? You know, because that sex abuse and the sexualization of children and the sexual liberation movement is a, a one big massive agenda, bigger than COVID, much bigger than COVID. Right? Yes. So I'm starting to think, because obviously all the consultations and all went on um, in during COVID when absolutely no bugger was paying attention because obviously they were locked down and they, you know, most people were scared, whatever. Everybody was focused on COVID in one way or the other, whether it was dis disproving it or whatever. And nobody kept their eye on the ball with this. Do you know what I mean? And, and it mm. seems like they really have ramped it up in these past three years like nothing before. But then I see it from a positive point of view, not to doom and gloom everybody, but from a positive point of view, I kind of see it as a, as a bit of a race, to be honest, Joan. I really don't think um, they expected as much. And I, I know not everybody is pushing back. I, I appreciate that. But they have had a lot of pushback. It's kicking off in America. And I don't know if it's, it seems like it's been a bit of a rush, just get it all out there now type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's getting more bizarre by the day. It's getting more bizarre by the day. Did you read the other day about the um, that guy who was um, basically charged for two counts of rape? And during yes. the trial, he had changed his gender and then ended up in a women's prison. Yes. I just, this is, it just doesn't sound real, does it? I'm saying that now. And these listeners are probably thinking that's a lie. It's not. Well, well the, there was a similar case in, um, in America, wasn't there? Uh, where someone in a similar position, a sex offender who would identified as a woman, but obviously still had all his tackle and went to a woman's prison and he actually impregnated two of the inmates. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's, it's, it's they're not isolated cases. It's happening everywhere, everywhere. I saw a video, I shared it the other day. Um, it was, this was in America but she was really upset, this woman. She was quite, you know, she was probably in her 30s. She was at the gym. She'd taken her top off and her bra because she's changing in the changing rooms, in the women's changing rooms. And in walks an old bloke, right? It's nothing, there's no dressed up as a woman or nothing, just an old bloke. So obviously she's freaking out and she phoned the police, rightly so, right? They don't do nothing. She's recorded it. And she's like, look at him. He's going straight back in there. And, and the police are like, they're not doing anything. This is dangerous time. But you know who he was? Who? Wasn't he a principal of a school? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was. I don't know. So you know, well, this is this is the thing. It happens quite. It's not. I mean, we hear about the the one. Some of them, you know, in um, 
in the media and that, but most of them are not recorded. Most of them are not reported, sorry. So how many times is this actually going on? How many times is this happening? You know, we're... Well, I saw one, um, was it in Brazil? Um, Where a woman had sort of dragged him. She was dragging him out and she was giving him a good hiding. Oh, yeah, I saw that one as well. She gave him a... Well, there's a couple of them. One minute gave him a hiding. I think there were, yes. This is what's going to start happening. You know, there are women out there, mind you, will just take your head off. There are women out there who, you know, know. are really scared and run away. But there are women out there who will fight you, mind. Especially if their kids are in there. I would. <laughs> if so my would child I. was in there and that happened, I would kick off. You wouldn't stop me either. Because you know, whenever I took my kids swimming um, and it was a choice of an open woman, the, the, the place that I, I use quite regularly was... Um, like an open changing room uh, for women and one for men as well. I would always, well, in any situation, if my if my lads were sort of under the age of ten or nine, I would I would keep them with me. I wouldn't yeah. let them go into the men's on their own. No, absolutely not. Especially now we know. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely not. It's it's dangerous. It is dangerous, and they've made it a dangerous place. You know they've. They've really, you know, to the point where women's and girls' rights have gone, right? And I don't think people quite understand that either. So, for example, because we're really pushing this so much now, if I was in a changing room and I was getting dressed and a, a transgender came in, whether they were malicious or not, I'm not saying that all transgenders are malicious either, but I would feel uncomfortable regardless, right? As a woman, I would feel uncomfortable with a man in the changing room, right? That's just how it is. I tell you what, though, Kat, can I just interrupt and say yeah, something on. there on that on that point that I I used to go swimming on a regular basis to one particular place that had an open area for changing, and there were a lot of women there that would not expose themselves in front of another woman. Yeah, exactly. That that's just called privacy. Never mind in front of a man. Do you know what yes. I mean? It's really, you know, I, I, I would feel uncomfortable. So from that point of view, if I went then to complain or if I, you know, if I went to the reception of this gym and said, you know, I've just been changing it and I don't feel comfortable, they would move me. I would have to they be would. moved to somewhere where I felt more comfortable. But the man dressed as a woman is allowed to stay in the changing room. So how and then is that, that that's a woman's right gone, isn't it? The, the biological woman has to leave. So where is the... It's just crazy. Well, the, this is all part of queer theory as well, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that they want to blur the identity, uh, identities of people and their biological identity. And this yeah. is why in documents to do with RSC, we rarely see... Do we ever see the word mother or father? No. Or boy For or example... Girl. Yeah, it's not. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? Absolutely terrible. Oh, just going back to what happened with um with you up in Bangor. I saw your video where you'd obviously gone to the police. Has anything happened with our junk? Because they were being really aggressive. Actually, they were throwing leaflets, one trying to rip books up or something like that, that. That was what I was going to to tell you. That eventually, over the course of the afternoon, it it got more heated, and um, one girl came by for I don't know how many times this was, um, maybe the fourth time. And she was ranting about the books. And she took <laughs> she took one up in her hand, a random book, 
And she started trying to rip it. Instead of sort of tearing it page by page or whatever, she was trying to rip the whole thing. Uh, you know, unless you've had sort of, you've got a karate or something yeah, like that. It's not gonna, that. It's not going to happen, is it? You know, so it, it was really quite funny. And when she decided that she couldn't do it, she put it into this big bin with flaps on, you know, a jumbo sized bin that was right by the store and stormed off. So I, my first priority was the book. I managed mm. to get the book out and restore it. And I charged after her. And I said, um, I asked her what it was all about, you know, and that was stealing and I was going to report it, which I did. And I said, by the way, you've just shot yourself in the foot. You know that book that you, uh, you stole off me and put in the bin? Do you know what it was called? How to, how to transform your classroom into an LGBT plus friendly place. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a good This book is what all. I mean about critical thinking. Yeah, exactly. For any of the books she could have picked up, she picked up the one that would... She picked up the very one that was actually... Uh, she should have been all over. Yeah, yeah. So what did the police do, Joan? I bet they haven't done it. I don't know. Have they done anything? But I've, I've got a crime number. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. I've got to cut, sorry, there's a bit of noise in the background. Uh, That's all right, Joe. Oh, would you mind shutting the door? Sorry. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've got a crime number, and they said um, that if anything like that was to happen again, to phone 999 immediately. Right. And that they that would. Since, Joan, is it a weekly thing? Or? No, because that was before Christmas. Right. And the weather's been bad and one yeah, thing yeah. and another. And we're also quite low on leaflets. So uh, we're, we're hoping to start up again soon. Right. OK. So if anything does happen, the thing is, we just have to record it all. And it's just it's something. Sim- well, not as bad, not as bad as what happened with you up there. But on the um, the 17th of December demo in Queen Street in Cardiff, there was a guy. It turns out he was a school counsellor and a counsellor, I think. Um, he came up, ginger guy, tall as well, while um, Zarek was speaking. Um, and he came up and he basically grabbed the microphone out of his hand, started shouting a load of nonsense. He had his child in tow as well. And his oh, child yeah. was probably about eight, something like that. Threw the microphone back down and then stormed off. And then I was chatting to this lady. She was really quiet. She came up and she was just like, she just wanted to know what was going on, really. So I told her what was going on. She she couldn't believe it. She was like sick. And she said, do you mind if I take a thing of leaflets and I'll just stand by you and give them out? And I was like, no, carry on. So she was giving out leaflets and he stormed past her. I didn't really feel it caught it on his camera as well. I didn't I didn't realize that she had come up to me look, with it with ripped leaflets in her hand. And I said, what, what happened? And she said, oh, the guy came past and ripped them out of my hand and ripped them up. And when I looked at the footage, I could see she was stood behind me and he walked behind us, still with his child, grabbed them. But he was angry, Joan. He was really angry. And this is like a, a full-grown bloke, which makes me, re- makes me think. Is this, sorry, gen- is, this the same, is this the same one again? Or yeah. a different one? No, it's the same one. And I just think he really believed what... He was so triggered by us even being there, same as the people up with you. They really believe that we are bad people for trying to... They they genuinely believe that all this is a good idea. And to the point, 
where they'll kick off in front of their own children, rip, you know, snatch leaflets out of a, a lady's hand, rip them up, you know, and this is a school governor. Do you know what I mean? And a councillor. And I'm like, wow, that's, an, that's a worry. That's a worry because these people genuinely believe what they're saying, most of them, you know? It's, it's just... Uh, or do that. Well, obviously he was impassioned. Uh, but many of the councillors um, up here, anyway, don't seem to be very impassioned about anything, apart from towing the party line. Yeah, it's all party politics in there, Joan. I saw that when I was trying to stop them um, just before COVID 2019, and I was trying to stop them spraying glyphosate in the borough because we all know it's a you know it's a carcinogen and it's actually mm. causes loads of damage and we got quite far with that we got the lady removed well I say removed she left so the heat got too quick too much for her and she just jumped ship and went to a new position which is the it's just the case all the time you try and get into there and they just they just make you jump through hoops and then at the end of it they just up and leave and get a new position in a different department so then you have to start from scratch one with a new one do you know what I mean it was like Watch and I really, really uh, it opened my eyes when I was doing that to what to what the councils are actually up to. Because there was one woman that I watched. She was having um, I watched like the scrutiny meeting that they had with the people who were spraying the. They were spraying the complete weed. It they called right, and they actually cover a lot of Wales. They might even cover up in your area as well because they cover islands. They're quite big, right? So they obviously had the contract for this, and they were in. It was like a two-hour thingy. And I watched it. So you had some of the councillors, obviously, in the meeting. Um, and then you had these these idiots, honestly. They really they really were like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Um, they were speaking, you know, about how safe pesticides were. I'll have to send you some videos because Darren edited some videos and you'll laugh your head off. Honestly, they were full of crap. Anyway, though, there was one woman in there, right? And she was adamant. It, it was She was an older councillor, right? But she was Labour. And she she kept saying, but it's a poison though, isn't it? She knew it was completely toxic and she wasn't happy. What, with it, what's right? the brand name of it? Oh, oh I can't remember now. Oh, I can't remember. It's neither not me, neither it's can not I, because one. I've actually seen them spraying it when I was in Chester at uh, a children's ground. I could remember the name at the time. And they were allowed to spray it on playground. This is the thing. We pulled up everything that they were doing wrong, right? The council didn't give a shit anyway. But this woman, how I knew they were playing the politics side because I watched her for two hours arguing with, or not arguing, but putting her point across that she thought it was poison. She knows it causes this. She knows it causes that, right? And then when it came to, because what happened, we went, they were trying to appease us, right? So they let us have a meeting me, Darren, um, a couple of, and Louise and a couple of others. And Louise had it on record on her iPad, right? Because what they had done, they'd only, there was like three top bods from the council and us. No other councils were even, councillors were even allowed in there. So I knew they were going to pull a fast one. I knew they were only just, you know, it was just lip service like. So Louise recorded the whole thing. They didn't know that. So when they just said, we're not going to debate it, I released the, I put it into a transcript and I released it on the internet. So then they decided they were having a scrutiny meeting. They did have a meeting over it, right? We managed to pull some of them over. But that one, that one who said, you know, in the meeting I watched online that she, you know, it was poisoning, it was toxic. She abstained. And I was like, oh, here we go then. So you're just playing a game then? Because I know for a fact that you weren't 
you know that that's poison but she all right she was an old cat she was an elderly lady and Darren was like she'd probably be bullied to shit if she went against labor and I'm like yeah I know but we don't want people in there like that, do we? We need people in there no. with balls who's actually going to do something about it. I know, know, I know. And this is our problem at the moment. There's so problem. many councillors. Um, I mean, how many councillors do you know that are speaking out? There are about five in Gwynedd. Oh, I don't think there's any of them, yeah? None and none. All, and all, all power to them. You know, I really admire oh, them. Oh, yeah, really they're really good. They're going against the tide, you know? And it's yeah. not an easy thing to do. But they're also being, there are repercussions for doing that. There are, there are. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're supposed to be there to represent their constituents. Right? And why they should have a witch hunt on anyone who is trying to tell the truth, I, I don't know. I mean, we all need to, whatever you think about RSE, um, there are extraneous questions to ask about the way that it's being delivered. Like, for example, why can't you have a debate in the council? Yeah. Why can't why why can't people actually stand up and tell the truth without being told that they're out of line and they're saying hateful things? I know exactly, exactly. It is they, they don't allow the opposition, and that no, they know. it they all know. has to be party speak. Yeah, and, and that's what's it. going on. That's what's going on with this education. It's all party speak. It is, and it's so dangerous. We know how dangerous it is. It's, you know, we've we've had actually quite a few donations. We had a big, massive one go in earlier. Joan, two thousand pounds. Somebody put in the fundraiser earlier. Two thousand. Yeah, yeah. So when was this? Um, I think this was earlier. So I when I I'd been I'd been out this morning. I went up to Ross on Y, and I come back, and my cousin had told me, and I was like, "What? I have a look. It's anonymous. It is. So we don't know who it is." But we had put this three pound campaign, three pound a week campaign thingy out last night, right? Just to yeah, no, it's a really good again. idea. It has actually worked, you know. Even without that two thousand pound, whoever it was, thank you so much. Was, you know, massive donation. Yeah, that's marvellous. Thank you to everybody who, who donates. It um, makes you feel like crying, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm like because that's it. I mean, I would do the same if I had the money. You know, I I really would. And there there's bound to be people out there who've got the money who can get. You know what I mean? And they have done. And and it's like, thank you so much because at the moment, obviously, we know we're getting hounded by the government. And they're chasing a load of money and stuff. So we, you know, we need to we need to just get as much money in as we can. And I I do you know what is totally doable. If enough, if it reached enough people, they wouldn't have to be given all loads of money. They wouldn't have to do that. I would just be a fiver. And that's enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's plenty of people. So the only issue we've got with it is censorship. And they're definitely censoring. They know the government is their only battle, really, is the money. Do you know what I mean? They they know that they can price us out of court. Or they or I say they know. They think they can price us out of court. And that's what they're depending on. So they're laughing on the other end. You know, they're like sending their emails. We need this by this time and this. They don't yeah, exactly. Get. People need to understand. Parents out there need to understand. And you shouldn't trust them by now anyway. But the government do not, do not have your best interests at heart. Nor your children. They're just playing the game and they're getting, you know, paid handsomely for it. They don't give a shit. So it's going to be down to the parents to, to actually do something about you know to get up off their asses and do something and you know there are many of us though I will and don't want to just moan about it there are many people 
doing something about it now. I'm really, 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 really thankful for No, uh, uh, our movement has really taken, it's grown legs, hasn't it? And massively. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the, the Muslim community, all the beautiful people in the Muslim community um, are, are so strong. They are. There are so many and, and they're active, there that you know, very active. Extremely active um, and and kind and intelligent and sensitive to other people's needs. I, I think we've got a, a marvellous group of people together, really. I do. I really do. And I'm really proud of, of, of the way things have progressed. I think we all are, aren't we? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, it's just that ago. the people that we haven't reached, the ones that, you know, what I can't understand is that there are so many, I hate the word truther, but um, it's a word that's used and it's a word that most yeah. people understand, isn't it? You know, but out of everything that's going on now, and the Lord knows we, we've had enough cho choice over the past three years. You, you you could have put you could have put your cards on any table, couldn't you? Really, yeah, because yeah. there were so many to choose from. I mean, this is the big one because this is the last push to destroy families. Absolutely, and I mean destroy families. Yeah, it's really and demoralize, and also to uh to create a sort of last days of the Roman Empire sort of scenario where everything crumbles because yes. all our belief systems have gone, our value system is going. We can see that from the way that the youngsters are behaving, yeah. you know, the students are behaving. If you can't have a logical, intelligent conversation or debate with the students, then it's game over. Yeah. Exactly, which is why it's so important. And I keep saying, you know, we as adults, it's brilliant that we know and we can get on with what we get on with. But they actually, the people who put these things in place don't give a crap about us. They're after the kids because they know they're the ones who are going to change society. And they will turn them again. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen continually, consistently, where children are turned against their own parents. And that was that was the point. It's, sort of it's, it's an age old tactic, I think. Yeah, definitely. The state don't have to fight. They get your kids to fight against you. Do you know what I mean? And and this is the real, this is the, the big family split, isn't it? And as soon as everybody's split, they're able to take over. And that is what they have been doing for the last few decades, you know. And this is just what, I was reading through this, Joan, this great relationships and sex education. And it occurred to me, right, this book, you've got it. So you know how big it is, right? Um, is, sorry, is this the one with the I get I can't remember the names. Alice Coyle and Esther McGinney, you know that the one. Yes, yes. Ones of activities. Yes. I, it, it, when I was reading it, and it, it occurred to me, I was like, "We got all this year. When have they got time to do anything else? When have they got time to do maths? When have they got time? You know what I mean? It's so. They are literally. This is mostly what they're doing in school. They, don't forget, they've made it a mandatory subject in Wales as well, over science and maths. So this is going to be this that people don't quite understand. I think they still think that it might be a single lesson. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, like uh, you know, a one, once a week job or something like that. Yeah, which you get. No, 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 no. Obviously, as we know, it's the whole school approach. But I just thought there's no time to do anything else. All of the stuff that they've written in here. Right. If the, you know, 
when have they actually got time to do anything else? And even if they are doing anything else, this is being incorporated into it anyway. It doesn't really matter what lesson you do and you can't get away from it, whether it's art, music, you know, history, you know, they're doing something every month for LGBT. It's, it's just, they really are pushing it like I've never seen. Be- I've just realised the time. We've been speaking for ages, Joan. I could go on forever with you, but we can't go on forever. So sorry about ranting on then. Just just to ask you at the end, Joan, what do you think? I mean, we're doing well as a campaign. We really, really are. You know, we, we love everybody to be on board, obviously, but we know that we've got to, we've got to expose it. What would you what would your advice be to, you know, moving forward for anyone for anyone else? You know, what would you say to parents at this stage? Uh, are you talking about parents that are naive and and, and Yeah, no sorry, idea? to the parents who don't quite, you know, grasp what's going on and who don't know or or even not looked. What well, what would your advice be? I think I think they could do a worse job than go to the website, actually because the, there is an awful lot of information on there. The only problem is it might be a little bit overwhelming, but um, Kim has got so many videos where she's sort of laid it out for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's done that time and time again, hasn't she? You know, yeah. um, sort of got the building blocks and put them all in a row for people so that they can understand the way it's working. Um, if they aren't feeling confident about what's going on, but they're not um, they're not quite convinced yet, I would suggest they go to um, their teacher, the, their child's teacher, and ask for, for, for lesson plans and to be able to look at the resources. And I mean all the resources, because people need to know that these are resources that are being produced by outside bodies and that are coming into the school, and many, many a time that the teachers don't, haven't seen them themselves or haven't properly, properly looked through them, watched all the videos themselves in order to understand the nature of what they've got to teach. Yeah. You know, this has been a huge imposition on the teaching profession, massive. They're always being, there are impositions placed all along because they're constantly changing the curriculum which doesn't seem like very much to an outsider but to a teacher it's massive it's huge yeah because you've got to get your head around so much new material you've got Mm -hmm. to understand what specifications are and what the marking scheme is etc so it's an awful lot for a teacher to take on and maybe some of them were thinking, well, it's going to be a bit like the old sex said, maybe don't have to worry too much, you know. And we've got a PSHE leader, RSE leader in the school anyway, and that kind of thing. Well, yeah. I would imagine that many teachers, uh, it's been um, it's been an absolute nightmare for them. Yeah, exactly. Because they've gone in, you know, whether whatever they've done their training teacher training in whether that be primary school or secondary school in a specific subject that's what they're there to teach they don't know they're not trained in any way at all with you know any of this stuff and it is a specialist subject it really is you know and you know well, we know that they, they're going to facebook and they're asking you know putting in groups does anyone know where i can find something for key stage two or three on gender identity or 
on pornography or and they're going to Facebook asking other strange I know and you don't know what I mean and I'm like wow this is it just goes to show that they don't know you know and and it it is it's not fair to put it all on the teachers you know a lot of them have left um I've got a friend that um she left Bristol last year because she said the last straw so obviously something had happened before because she said the last straw the last straw was when they asked me to teach pornography to year sevens she walked out she was like i know i can't do that anymore you're you know, year seven mm. seriously yeah they said they were sending uh, them home with homework at age 11 about porn, pornography mind in some places in england this is what i mean it's like it's very it's sneaky how it was being done, though, because it just it's not all happening at one time. And if it did, more people would realise it. Obviously, maybe that's that's the intention and the reason why they haven't all rolled it out at the same that, time. That, that's another thing, isn't it? The fact that um, it, it's it's harder hitting in some places than others, and the the yeah. shock um, the shock waves haven't quite hit people yet. No, but you know, some will. people are probably walking around totally oblivious. Of what's going on in schools, yeah, because be they're not seeing any signs. They're not seeing any signs of trouble in their own particular little bubble, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and it's that's it's going to happen at some point. And it, you know, a lot of it as well is 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 secretive, Joan. Do you know what I mean? Like, I they, they well, we've seen Ellie Barnes in a conference. That's why I bought that book because I saw that video. Um, where she was obviously speaking to educationalists in some type of conference, and she says, "Don't tell, don't send a letter home to the parents telling them why you're going to be teaching. Who wants, you know, an angry mob of parents? So she's aware that this is going to piss parents off, but she's telling them not to not to tell the parents. Do you know what I mean? And this is really, it's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous, and and parents just." Most parents really don't think, um, they think, they probably think we're exaggerating, like, because, like you say, because they haven't come out, their own children haven't come out and said anything, they probably think it's a load of nonsense and there is absolutely no way that they would ever do it, you know, and and from that point of view, it's too unbelievable, so they haven't even bothered looking, you know, know. it is a dangerous time, but we'll battle through it, we got the, you know, we got the, obviously applied for the appeal, we're going for the fundraising, um, we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep going, Joan, and we because at the end of the day, these are our children and our grandchildren, future grandchildren. But and, and but but to get back to the question you asked, you know, what would you tell a parent? Yeah, I think all it took for me, really, uh, although I think my advice about asking the teacher is a, is is pretty good because they might be very disappointed by the kind of response that they get, which yeah. might make them suspicious. <laughs> But what did it for me was looking at the WHO uh, educational matrix, which can also be found on the PCPW website. Yeah, absolutely. It says, and that, that was Joe. that was enough. As soon as I saw that, I thought, "Yeah, they're after the kids. They're yeah. coming after the kids in a big way." Yeah, in the in the worst way, Joan. In the most, you know, these are our innocent little kids. They're coming after them in the worst way, you know, and, and the fact that they're doing it earlier, you know, they're making sure the younger ones have it first so that they can sort of consolidate this sexual knowledge on top of sexual knowledge. So by the time they get to teenagers, all of this is completely normal. It's, it really is, you know, we're living in really 
frightening times but I think at the same time we're waking up we've just got to hit back harder this is the only you know I just don't see the point in in life to be honest if we're if we're not going to fight for our children because they are the future what is the point you know exactly I mean you know once you've seen this I defy anyone to sit back and do nothing on me yeah and hope for the best because I don't know how many how many people that might be listening or whether you've experienced it, but, you know, if you have a child in your family, if you have anyone in your family, in your immediate family, that is suffering from mental health problems, that affects every single person in the family. Yeah, yeah. So doing this, we can see what's going to happen, can't we? Well, we, all, we already are seeing it. We are already seeing the results. Of, of what's going on in terms of and know. and the and the thing is by the time it reach it reaches that stage it's too late yeah because you can't reverse that process if your child has been confused and feels that um they absolutely need to change their gender that that is the only thing that is going to make them happy good luck with changing the mind yeah i know especially at their age as well you know and they they the people who do this know knew exactly what they were doing of course they knew did exactly and what so they that were that doing. means that fam- families are going to get they're going to get eaten from the inside yeah and that is going to reduce people's ability it, it's going to debilitate people and it's going to reduce their ability to actually speak up in many yeah. cases because their life is going to be consumed by other problems. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's another so worry to take on, as if we didn't have enough. I know, and it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And I've spoken to some parents who are really suffering with this, you know, and it, it can happen really fast as well. I was speaking to somebody the other day, and um, or the other week, and her, and her daughter, I think, had been, you know, they'd gone to some school, they'd moved. Um, she kept her home for a while. But then sent, and I think within four weeks of her being in that school, she changed gender. She's arguing with her mother. Her mother can't do anything right. Do you know what I mean? And every time she speaks to her about it, it's, it's even worse. I can't imagine what she's going through. I can't imagine. It must be absolutely heartbreaking. And th- this is why we've got to speak up as much as we can, you know, because these families are really being torn apart by this ideology, this really dangerous ideology. And if we don't stand up now, you know, I just, I dread to think where we go. Well, I can see where we're going. You know, we've already, this isn't about prevention anymore. This is about damage limitation because too many children have already been damaged by by this, you know, so. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one would be too many, Kath, but the way it's going, yeah. it's going to be thousands because how many are there in... Oh, do you remember well, what America, there's 25,000 of them on the detransitioners list waiting for help. Yes. 25,000. And and this this lie that they like to perpetuate, that w- would you prefer to have um, uh, a, dead, a dead son rather yeah. than a live daughter or vice versa, you know, which is the most awful lie. Because none of the statistics actually prop it up. Because that's and, not and, the case, and there is, is there are so many things about this. I mean, the, the there are so many scandals that have been attached to people that are actually propagating this idea 
of, of trans and making it popular with children. These companies like Mermaids mm. and um, and the actual organisation that is supposed to be running the Transgender Health, the World uh, Professional Association of Transgender Health, which is a mockery. It's a total mockery. It, it, it doesn't deserve to exist. And which in its turn, has spent about 10 years in alliance with its one of its allegiances has been um, a, a website called um, Unoc, Unoc Archives, who is such, it's such a dodgy entity. It's, it's got professionals in there, but basically there are people in there that would use pictures of castrated boys, for example, as porn. Wow. This is how this is how sordid and weird this is all this has all become, or it already was. You know, wow. I, and, and there are some people that are of the opinion that um that the, the part of the idea of this transgender explosion is to actually prop up certain influ influential adults that uh, are in quite high positions that, um, you know, might be, might have those inclinations themselves as an adult, you know, that might have various yeah. reasons for wanting to dress as a woman. Yeah. Well, they, they, they don't want to be alone. They want to, they, they want to be in, um, the, they want to validate themselves by having an army of children and yeah. youngsters coming up. So, look, I told you this is this is a thing. You know, it's not just me. I've I've simplified the argument terribly. Uh, but do you understand what I'm saying? I think so. That I think it's so. that because I tell you when I read it, when I I haven't read it for a little while because I got so much on. But I thought when when I did a, a podcast with Alex Thompson from the column. He mentioned um, Whitney Webb, One Nation Under Blackmail, and it's in two parts. So I bought the first part, and I have read a lot of it. And J. Edgar Hoover uh, used to dress up as a woman, and they used to go to um, hotels. And the the thing is, that they they all are blackmailed. All of the you know the the in a sexual blackmail as well. So this is a lot bigger than what we even think. You know, we know that with the likes of Epstein. You know, he obviously had a lot of blackmail. Um, so with his cameras in his place, and so did Hugh Hefner. So, you know, there are a lot of people out there for sexual blackmail, but yeah, I was reading that J. Edgar Hoover, he was he was gay, and he, yes, liked he was. Up, he liked dressing up as a woman, and I can't remember the name of the um, the guy who was, who was with him a lot. I can't remember it now, but yeah, the, the, if that's what you were saying... Um, it's that, it's that, so, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Which is a kink, and, and people who actually, um, people who actually enjoy sadomasochists, yeah, or just sadists actually, because they, they wouldn't do it to themselves, but they actually enjoy. Um, they get pleasure from the idea of other people mutilating their own body. It's just wild isn't it Joan I just can't get my head around it it's just so difficult to comprehend it really is and we could go on for hours and, and hours we haven't even it. mentioned paedophilia I know this is the thing Joan will you come back on next week with us would you mind 
Um, no, if if I possibly can, I will. Yeah, I mean, if you're available, obviously. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love that. If, for what I it's worth, you know, I don't know how what of a, what sort of a contribution I'm making, but you make uh, a massive one, Joan, because I I know I know you, and I know how well read and well educated and everything you are. We always have amazing chats. I could go on forever. I really couldn't. It'd be yeah. We need to talk about the paedophilia part of it. So what about next week if we do talk about it, or the week after, whenever is the whenever is convenient for you, Joan? Yes. Um, yeah. As far as far as I know, are you talking the same day next week? Um, it doesn't matter. We can sp- see a different one. We can then um, we'll have a chat yes. after and figure it out. And okay, th- yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love that because I just, I just, I just wish people that were, I just wish people would understand this. I know, I know. I feel your pain, Joan. I really do, and I think we both know. You know, once people do actually sort of realize what it is and take the time to look at it they're horrified like the rest of us I think mm. so that's why it's quite it's frustrating in there that you know we it's don't... it's frustrating but it's heartbreaking it is it is you know I can't look at a little kid now without thinking what they learn <sighs> yeah what do they know what they've been exposed to I it's, know it's frightening because we know I mean how dare them. they how dare they do this I know I know, and everybody should be exactly the same, you know, everybody should be feeling that. But again, I'm convinced it is because people just don't know. So, you know, I it, think so. It's 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 a question. Well, they don't know the extent of it. They, they you know, they might think they know a little bit and that little bit that they know maybe it quite tame. But underneath it, they just don't understand the extent of it and how big it is, you know, and that and when they do discover that, they are going to be absolutely mortified and we'll, we will push them into action. I'm sure of it. So any last words, Joan, before you go? And we'll be back next week anyway. But any last words before you go on what we spoke about tonight? Uh, or tonight? Well, I would just love if, if anything's resonated with anyone uh, who was not aware of any of this before. Please, please do your own research. It's for the sake of your kids, for the sake of any kid that's in your environment, uh, and for for the sake of civilization. Actually, I know that sounds uh, like hyperbole, but I really mean it because I think this is what it's this is what it's all about. This is the last sort of um, this is the last nut and bolt before. A horrible collapse in society, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I echo that sentiment, actually, Joan, because I, I feel the same. Civilization is actually on the verge of completely collapsing, and um, this is how important it is. And I completely agree. Anyone who's, if this is the first time you're hearing anything about it, you know, get in touch. You can you can contact me. At, oh, well, I'm banned now from Facebook, but my 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 message is still on my messenger is still on there so i'm on cat new watkins or you can go to public child or libertytactics.co.uk um and find out some more information or mine my website is exposing the lie.info um and you can find out some information or if you've got any questions then please just get in touch we'll we'll answer everything we well anything we possibly can which is everything on this i think um so yeah that that's it it's been a brilliant show joan i just want to say thank you so much for joining us on liberty tactics and we can't wait to have you back next week thank you so much take care all speak to you soon. yeah and i hope i hope lou recovers soon she she'll be all right a couple of days she rests that voice of hers now and she'll be fine joan she's a legend <laughs> she is 
Much love to you, Joan. Speak to and you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. Bye.